Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey, Viz Media, What Pumpkin Studios, or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you're old enough to vote for our clown juggalo overlords. It's time to go to hell. Hi, and welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm also Elizabeth. And we kind of just finished Act 3. We kind of just did. Got all the way through. I feel like it should have gone on for a little bit longer. I felt like Act 3 was longer, but I guess it wasn't. Act 3 is actually pretty short. And then after this, it just gets exponentially longer, or so I've heard. It was jam-packed with good stuff, important setup, I would say. Yeah, Act 3 has a lot of stuff in it. But it's weird because Act 1 we did in three episodes. We did Act 2 in about... I think five or six episodes. And Act 3, again, took three episodes. Like, very symmetrical. Next act is a little longer. We do have to get through the intermission first. Ah, sadly. Sadly. You you don't know, you don't know what it is. You can't say it's sad. You might love the intermission. Maybe, but if it's anything that does not pick up light where we left off at the end of Act 3, then sadly it's right. When we watched that final sound file, you were pretty fucking pumped to read more Homestuck immediately. Listen, I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. That sound file was fucking awesome. And in that moment, I was like, I want nothing more than to keep going to see what's happening because that was so good. I I need to watch that sound file about 50 more times to even begin to understand what's going on. That was S. Enter. The music for that is Suburban Jungle, which is one of my favorite Homestuck tracks. It's very good. It's very good. There were some new styles and techniques that they were using, and all of the sound files today actually were really good. They were, and there were a lot of them. The Jade one and the S. Enter were so good. Looking at how they've arranged S. Enter in the book, I can actually tell pretty easily what's going on. So if you want any help deciphering what the fuck just happened, I can elucidate that for you. (laughs) Because apparently I've been saying elucidate wrong my entire life. Yeah, which I found out when I was transcribing episode before last. And then elucidated Liz about it. Because I said eludicate, which is how I've been saying it literally my entire life in theater productions and in front of my parents. (laughs) And I did not think 
that that was the wrong way to say it. No one ever told you? No one ever told me. Uh, I said that in a in a school-wide poetry reading once. What? I don't need to talk about my linguistic shames right now. Do you want to know what the fuck happened in Enter? Yes, I I do. Here is a comprehensive list of what happened in S. Enter. So first we just have Dave putting in the disc and Rose putting in her disc and they're kind of waiting for everything to load. And then we see we see Jade inside of this frog monument and there is a, I guess it's a lotus. I guess it is a lotus flower. And the lotus flower is budding. It looks like it's about to bloom. Then Rose's esper comes up. Her meteor is getting ever closer to her house. And there's just a, a quick little montage of Dave and Rose going through the beginning of their esperb session. It, it's funny because Andrew Hussey actually also says in the author's notes that all this stuff goes by pretty quickly in the animation, so we can appreciate it being slowed down here and let it really soak in. Look at Dave putting all this stuff in terrible inconvenient locations. Because what Dave does is he's putting the punch design X and the alchemiter in like all of these different offshoots of her house. Wait, that's when she was yelling like, Strider! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as the Cruxtruder is just kind of standing there, we see it with the Lotus Bud still there. And Rose is yelling at Dave about all this. And he uses the wizard statue to break open the Cruxtruder. Right. Then a giant tornado of fire comes up. Yeah. Threatening to run right into Rose's house. Rose goes through some very early stages of her spur. She prototypes her... Yeah, the uh, kernel sprite? She prototypes the kernel sprites with her dead cat that she had in her pocket. She was ready to do this. She really wanted to resurrect her dead cat. Yes. Was that what Jade was referring to before? Yeah, that's what she was referring to. And then Rose makes her object, but it's not a tree and an apple like John's was. It is a liquor cabinet and a bottle of booze. And because of the fire tornado, part of the wizard statue made the the bottle go flying and now Rose has to go grab it. Because, you know, obviously, or not obviously, you can't enter the session without using your item. Right. And then we see Nana Sprite writing John's letter that we read at the end of Act 2 and dropping the Colonel Sassaker text into the abyss. And then Rose jumps off of this waterfall on her mom's house Mm -hmm. and she grabs the bottle and at that same time the the lotus blooms and there's like a light coming out of it and jade's watching it and now there's like a countdown right right rose breaks the bottle uh and light comes off of that and dave is just kind of like saying there there's some wayward vagabond bullshit going around with the pods more meteor shenanigans Right before the meteor hits Rose's house, she's sent to the medium, we assume. I mean, right. she bro- she used her object. Right. And then out of the lotus comes a copy of Dave's beta, but like, it's not specifically his, but it's just like a reproduced version of them. So now Jade has Spurb. Jade has a copy of Spurb. And then John's hitting all these imps with all of his new weapons. 
the horrible Bill Cosby laptop. Uh, fuck you, Bill Cosby. And then he uses the hammer to boink into the gate, and then Act 3 is completed. So that's a lot of stuff that happened in a three-minute time span. Yeah! That was basically everything that happened in Act 1 condensed down to three minutes. Yes. (laughs) If you want to put it that way. It was a lot, but also we've seen it before. I'm not that mad that he just condensed it like that. Yeah, I think it was good, and I think it worked, even if it was confusing, but it was a lot that happened. I I think what's kind of genius about this is that Andrew Hussey sets up the first three acts very tediously explaining about how the early session works. And then speed runs it. (laughs) Yeah, so he speed runs it. So when you get to this sound file, you're like hyped. You were so hyped for this. Elizabeth was... I I heard some, like, gasping on the other end. I was breathless. (laughs) (laughs) I had my hands over my mouth. I was watching intently. I cannot overstate that that was very good. Elizabeth, this is Homestuck. (sighs) Wow. This is Homestuck. This is the treasure. We've reached the treasure. We've eaten all of this dirt. And now we have these beautiful chocolate chips. Mwah, mwah, mwah. It was worth it. It's been worth it. You know, it took us a little while. We had to slog through a lot of explanations. But we're here now. We've been diagnosed with pica about three times already. At least. But it's all worth it. I'm transported back into my ten-year-old body where I am in an ice cream parlor with my family, and I am just trolling the shit out of my brother with chocolate ice cream. Keep bringing this up because you know he's gonna listen to this. It's going to make him mad every single time. I played my mom that section of the podcast because I thought she would think it was funny because it was something that my brother and I fought about for most of our childhoods. I played it for her, and she looked me dead in the eyes, and she says, I don't remember that. What? (laughs) (laughs) He did? We know he did? Because he said so on this very podcast. I know she's not listening. She doesn't listen to either of our podcasts. She doesn't know what Dragon Ball Z or Homestuck is. Yeah, same with my mom. She's like, oh, maybe someday you'll make a podcast about something I know anything about. Maybe someday. It's okay. I don't understand it either. Just wait until uh, the sequel to this podcast, which is going to be our Betty Crocker fan cast. Oh, God. Where we rate and review every Betty Crocker product. Hmm. We'll keep that on the back burner for now. I'm keeping that on the back burner that's on the back of my oven that doesn't work. Because I don't want to think about it. (laughs) Yeah, good idea. Mm, Yeah. Do not turn on that oven. Aside from the sound file uh, from S. Enter, there were a couple of other sound files. Did one stand out to you in particular? I mean, yes, in different ways. The The music for all of them was very good. But also, the one with Dave, the, uh, the Strife, I wouldn't say I exactly liked, since it was... Dave getting beaten up by his older brother, and we all know how I feel about 
that, which is to say, I am very concerned for this small child. Though I did, I did celebrate the demise of Lil Cal, but... When John fights his dad, his dad is really just fighting with cakes, and it's kind of funny. And when Rose is fighting with her mom, they are just doing this, like, sarcastic, like, mom-daughter irony thing back and forth with each other. Dave's brother is actually beating Dave up. <laughs> it ends with... Dave literally, like, on the ground, covered in bruises. Also, it ends with Dave's brother getting on... On, like, a hoverboard? Yeah, hovercraft, and he goes off into the flaming sun. What? Yeah. I do realize I neglected to tell you this, like, way earlier. Yes. You know that Dave's brother's sunglasses are legit anime shades, right? I... I don't know if I knew that, because the shape of those sunglasses was one of the only things I knew about Homestuck going into Homestuck. <laughs> Dave's brother is actually wearing Gurren Lagan shades? That means nothing to me. I know you don't know what anime is. I know you're a dirty casual. I watch Naruto. Uh, that... <laughs> I know, Na I know, I know. Naruto, Naruto isn't an anime. It doesn't count. Na Just like, Naruto isn't an anime like Homestuck is. Naruto isn't an anime. It's art. Yeah, that's fair. Bro is wearing Kamina's glasses from Gurren Logan, And then we, we later learn that John is the one that gives Dave his round glasses that were on Ben Stiller's actual face. Wait. Good for him. And then I remember John seemed super surprised when Dave was actually wearing them, like, just all the time. Dave really loves these shades. I think it's it's yes. good because it's, it's something that's his. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. But I also appreciate that all of John's gifts are actually, like, really good. Except for the one that was delivered to, like, a younger Jade. I think it was still, it was still thoughtful. He was like, I saw this really cool shirt, and I got it for myself, and then there was this cooler version, and I got it for you, and I think that you would look really good in blue. Like, it's just like a little, and like the pumpkin seeds, it's so cute. He clearly knows his friends pretty well, even if he's not always the most perceptive of, of young men. <laughs> so I, I kind of had the feeling you would hate the the dave sound because it it does involve like lots of child abuse was there another sound that you liked yeah i really liked the jade sound file that was also very interesting and pretty confusing that's another one i'm gonna need to go back and and rewatch. but unlike the s enter i felt like that was not as crucial in terms of, like, things are happening in the plot and moving the plot forwards. So I, I was like, I'll just take this in stride and move right along. But it was very good. I really like the, the effect that we saw with Beck as well in a previous sound file, where there were, there were different things like the, the backgrounds in the clouds... It looked like they suddenly were windows into other places. Yes. 
I thought that was very cool. Do you think that is a literal window or just like a precognition thing? I think it's probably a precognition thing since it was part of like the cloud mirages. I could be wrong. <laughs> You'll never know. I kind of still don't know. Oh yeah, that's fair. <laughs> In that same sound though, John almost woke up. He almost did. He saw it. He saw Jade. And we saw him seeing Jade before, just her silhouette, but then, but then he didn't. Speaking of which, at the very beginning of this page batch we did today, mm -hmm. Jade was going to visit her neighbor, and they said, oh, you know, there's a boy in this tower. Immediately you were like, it's John. <laughs> yep, I knew it. Like, as soon as it was like, it, he's a young boy instead of a young girl, I was like, it's John. I don't know how, but it's John. And then it was. And I was like, yes, I finally got something right. Which makes you wonder where Rose and Dave are. Yes. If they are here. Are they here in this shimmering golden city? Are they here in... Skya. I, I do want you to notice that there are only two towers on this planet. Yeah, that, there is that. If maybe Rose and Dave aren't there, maybe they are together on a different planet, also with two towers. I don't know why I'm just like kissing my fingers. <laughs> I mean, nobody can see this. <laughs> a lot of this like dream shit that happens... Mm -hmm. We will not get any sort of semblance of an answer until later. Yeah, I figured. And everything that comes up will have more questions than answers afterward. So I apologize for that. The entirety of Homestuck. I keep thinking I've figured something out. And then there's like 50 more things. Which reminds me, out of nowhere, I did promise the other myself the other day that I would dunk on you for making oh shit the villain of our D and D campaign basically a homestuck villain apparently yeah um Liz did do that we we keep talking about our fucking D and D session in this podcast but I I will admit it yeah uh one of the main villains I've made for their D and D campaign is basically the Condens but it's fine don't worry about it. She doesn't know who it is. The only reason I got <laughs> called out on it is because we have another Homestuck in our group. And he was like, the Harvester really reminds me of the Condens. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> and then I googled, that's, that's a Homestuck character. He didn't explicitly say the Condens was Homestuck. But then Elizabeth, like, you, you just fucking googled it. Yeah, so... Good job, you spoiled yourself. Now, I have no idea who that is. Can't get spoiled for Homestuck because I have no idea who that is or what. Everything's out of context to you. I just wanted to make sure I remembered to call you out for that because that is a thing that you did. Homestuck is bleeding into your interactions with me and others outside of this podcast. Fuck you, I wrote that character before we did this podcast. Not before you read Homestuck, though! Oh, well. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I feel like you need a punishment for dunking on me because I'm the one that's supposed to be dunking on you all the time. 
So I think now is the time we're going to go to the minigame because that is the time when you are at your most vulnerable. Yeah, I know that, 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 that's... Alright everybody, and now it's time for the best part of the episode. It is the mid-episode minigame, where Elizabeth does not compete against anybody except her own self. And I always lose. <laughs> with a bunch of minigames that I've created just to fuck with her. It's really fun. It's my favorite part. Of course it is. We're still on our Troll Jeopardy hiatus. We're not doing Troll Jeopardy for a little bit. I do actually have Elizabeth's prize, like, right in front of me. I haven't sent it to her yet because I do want to take pictures of it with the present she sent me for Christmas. Because she actually did send- she sent me- like an eight-foot scarf. In true was Lalonde fashion, I knitted a thing and sent it to someone. Although I still don't know what was sent John. I will post pictures of this scarf on the Twitter when this episode comes out because it's very good. I do like it. It's purple. It's not It's not pink like the one Rose is wearing, so your joke sucks now. I was so mad when Rose wore a pink scarf and I was like, no! I deliberately chose a shade of rose blonde purple. It is perfect rose purple. The exact shade. I stood in the yarn aisle of the Joann's and pulled up Rose Lalonde on my phone to make sure. I can tell you for a fucking fact, you are not the first person to do that in a <laughs> Joann's fabric. I know people personally who have done that inside of a Joann's fabric. Now I can join their number. Arrested for Homestuck and Joann's. I myself have stood in a Joann's fabric, <gasps> looking at the wall of fabrics, deciding how to do my fucking cosplay. <laughs> inside. Self-dunk. Inside. Yeah. Of the joke. Ann's fabric. Joanne's is homestuck homestuck culture. Uh Joanne's fabric. So we've got one of five mini games that we're gonna play today. Not Troll Jeopardy today, nope nope. Yep. But the other ones we could play today are Hussy's Fixations, True or False, Music Appreciation, Image Description, and that's it. So Elizabeth, would you like to go ahead and spin that wheel to determine your fate? Absolutely, Liz. And we are going to play Hussie's Fixations. Oh boy, I have one that's topical today. Oh no. Hussie's Fixations is a game where I give Elizabeth a word or a phrase, and she has to connect that word or phrase to Andrew Hussie's personal life. This one, Elizabeth, you might actually know because we did touch on it very briefly before. Mm. So, Elizabeth, would you mind connecting this phrase to Andrew Hussey's personal life? The phrase is horse football. Oh, I, Andrew Hussey, has a painting of a horse attacking a football player. The painting appears in Homestuck as one of the things John creates when he's trying to clean off one of his movie posters. What, but what is Andrew Hussey's- He owns the painting! Do you have any idea how he acquired such a painting? What? 
know? Do I want to know how he acquired this painting? I will say that Andrew Hussey does have a painting. He has this horse football painting. Very much. Yeah. I am about to send you a blog post from Andrew Hussey's old blog. Oh, God. This explains everything. Okay, okay. I will say the images are broken on this blog post, but you've seen the horse football pictures. You know what it looks like. I do. So first of all, it's called Need for the Steed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Andrew Hussey, before Kickstarter was like a big thing, he, he, he got a fundraiser so he could buy this fucking horse painting. <laughs> oh my gosh. He had seen this painting earlier? Uh-huh. He had to email the artist to see if the artist would consider selling this painting. This deer painting. Yeah, right. The painting is $425. That is... Which, for art... Yeah. For, like, most artwork, I would not say that is a very large sum of money for an original piece of artwork. But if you have seen this image... It's... Yeah. I don't... I don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I grope for language to describe my reaction. Nay, a single word. Lividity. I'll say this, I can't tell whether this is in fact part of the entire what I shall call Homestuckian persona and narrative voice that Hussey uses, or whether he's really just like this, because if he's really just like this, that's... Ah, mm. He is someone who I do not think I would want to talk to ever. <laughs> See, the problem is, the more I read of Andrew Hussey's prose outside of Homestuck, I, I have to believe this is... I don't think this is how his dialogue is constructed, but I do think he has a fucking persona and he is sticking to it. And as an artist, yeah. I do appreciate That's that. That's fair. He used the word megalomaniacal. Wow. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he absolutely did that. Yeah, he did. You know what? When you have a persona, when you have an image to maintain, and you, by God, maintain it, I can appreciate that. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if we made this clear before, the horse that is attacking the football man in the painting is of the Denver horse. Like, the statue in Denver. Yes, the statue in Denver that is out by our airport that you drive by every time you go to or from the airport and is probably almost certainly possessed by a demon. And Elizabeth has seen this. I have seen this horse many times. And when you drive past it, the eyes glow, whether it's day or night. It's very big and it's very blue. And it looks like it is about to murder you. And also, it killed its sculptor. So... I can't believe it did that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So, Elizabeth, <laughs> I would say on this episode, you got half points. Okay, okay. For this minigame. You know, that's pretty good. Half is still 50%, which is still a failing grade, so you did lose this episode of this minigame. What a, what a shock. What a gosh dang misery. Ain't that just the way? Do you have any idea what happens when you lose a mini game? Yes. 
Yes, I do know by now. But if we're going by what I said earlier, this is going to be more of a reward than a punishment. Oh, shit. Just saying that. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) But wait, it is actually a punishment because the next thing we have to read is the intermission, which is not what you want to read. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, so it's still a punishment. No. We'll see you for the next minigame, everybody, when we'll be playing a minigame in the intermission. Hey. Hey. So, Elizabeth? Yes? Who is the dark green text? The we met two new characters and one had dark green text and one had brown text. I know who the dark green text was because I recognized her typing quirk. Who is the dark green text, Elizabeth? Do you really know? Do you have a theory who the dark green text is? I do, I have a theory, and my theory is that it's Kanaya. So, here's the thing. (laughs) You know that we got the quote for the name of this podcast from this character. Do you now see why this character would be the type to say, look how sane and linear we are being? (laughs) Absolutely a hundred percent. Yes. I love Grim Auxilitrix so much. (laughs) One of my top five, I would say. Knowing the whole comic and context, them and Rose have so much chemistry. Just conversational chemistry. Suddenly, Rose has finally found someone who's like on her same wavelength, even if it's sort of different, or at least the same frequency. It's it's very good. Like, she seems to click with this person, this troll, in a way she hasn't with really anyone else. Maybe, like, she she sometimes she almost gets to that point in her friendship with Dave, but it never quite gets there. And here it's just, like, immediate. These two are really some, some amazing gal pals. Totally best friends. <laughs> best friends. Oh my gosh. They're they're like sisters. Do you ever want to like marry your best friend sometimes? Gosh. <laughs> this troll kind of hates sarcasm, but also doesn't know how to use it. But in their attempts of using it, does like this anti-sarcasm thing that is 100% funnier than sarcasm. It was interesting because it was clearly the first uh, interaction Rose had with this person because she was like, have we spoken before? They hit it off so fast. They went so fast from like, who are you? What do you want? To, yeah, okay, I'll be friends with you. I think my favorite part of this whole conversation is when G.A explains how this time vortex thing is working. And GA is also setting it up in a way that, like, you know that they have tried to explain this to somebody else and have not had the best results. So they they explain it to Rose. Rose explains it back completely correctly. Yep. GA goes, yes, that's right. 
Will you try to talk some sense into your idiot friends so that we may proceed to bother them all on more rational terms? And then Rose says, I try to every day with mixed results. <laughs> Rose has found her, like, her sarcastic match. Yes. And they don't even know what sarcasm is. Honestly, that's it's really interesting because we've talked a lot about how Rose is constantly trying to one-up people. And it's not that she can't one-up this person, it's that they're both on the same level and move with each other. It isn't like a constant a disconnect where one's at one level and one's at the other. It's always at the same level. It just depends on what that level is. And I think that's what, that's what makes it work. Makes me so happy. So happy. I don't think the other one made you as happy. <laughs> no, okay. The dynamic between them didn't make me as happy. I did very much appreciate Dave's total and utter annihilation of the other. Elizabeth, this is Adios Torador? Toreador? And mm -hmm. do you know who this is? This is a rare thing. Do you know who this is? I could guess, but I don't think I do, actually. Dark Green Text speaks in the same quirk that the title of our podcast, Hatch, which is the, the first letter of every word is capitalized, which, you know, lends itself very well to titles. Yes. <laughs> there, there is no punctuation in their writing. Right, right. What would you describe this quirk as? I would have to look at the exact page again, but I was paying attention to it, and it was every letter is capitalized except the first and they use commas instead of periods. You almost got it right. What what this one is, is this person has caps locks on, but they are using correct capitalization. Right. It's just inverse. Which makes the, the whole thing kind of read like this when you're when you're looking at it. Like that's the that's the voice I kind of get out of that. That is you the voice you used. And it was so annoying. I was, I was, I don't even know how I feel about that character yet because I immediately hated them because of that voice. I think you're kind of supposed to immediately hate them because the first line that comes out of this is, hey, first, okay, I think you're awful. Let's put that fact on the table where we can both see it. Now that you have been primed for the digestive rumination that is about to take place and the comprehensive soiling of the laundry enveloping your person. Dave just shuts it down so fast. Oh my god, you type like a tool. Like he just he just says that, leaves it there. Yep. In this conversation, let me let me tell you something. In the conversation earlier with GA and Rose, I mean that conversation was very gay. Yes. This conversation. <laughs> Dave Strider. Well. <laughs> fucking Dave Strider. You can't, you can't just say this. You can't, you can't just say all of this. You can't just. He talks about how he's going to get married to this troll. <laughs> the, the hussy's author's note on the bottom of this is really good. He says, as is so often the case with jerky teen males on the internet, Dave's cudgel of choice here appears to be relentless homosexual innuendo. Please note that the phrase cudgel of choice may be considered homosexual innuendo as well. <laughs> Please note, possibly my favorite part 
was when Dave was just like, this is so weak. I'm almost getting tired of wasting good material on you guys. It's like, you've got nothing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He sets this up. He jumps right in. It's... (laughs) A.T. goes, oh, okay, you're the one that likes to submit innuendo. And Dave goes, human innuendo. And they go, yes, human innuendo. Sorry for the lack of clarity. (laughs) And then Dave just goes wild with this damning and the this is another one of those conversations where Hussey must have had a thesaurus out in front of him. He's working on so many different levels and AT can't even keep up with any of them. And finally they just leave and block stay. AT is presumably not a human. Because, you know, they use the word human innuendo. Uh, yep. Most of the stuff Dave is saying is probably going, like, way over their head. Yep. But also... Yep. I'm feeling pretty friggin' matrimonial all of a sudden. <laughs> Take a look down by your foot and see that little bottle stop on that shit like it's on fire. <laughs> a kaleidoscopic supernova of all your hopes and dreams all swishing together. The last, the last bit. Bro, look me in the eye. That twinkle. That devotion, you herniated pro wrestler sweaty purple taint. (laughs) Should be pure and true. That's what you see. This is how we do this. This shit's more real than craft mayo. This whole thing. (laughs) And then they just just block him. I I know I said this the last time we had a a conversation about with the trolls. I forgot how good the troll dialogue was. It's very good. The troll dialogue is very good. Dave also says that one of the trolls thought he was a girl. I know which one he's talking about. Oh. Yeah, they they, they do show that conversation later. It's very good. I, I know I'm saying a lot of things are very good right now. That's because we're getting to the very good part of Homestuck. Right, right. Which, you know, that's, that's fair. This is the golden age of Homestuck. I do... Also like that, I guess I'll leave you alone and find another point in time to bother you when, I guess, you are more emotionally susceptible and don't have all these bees in your bonnet about your human sexuality. You know, he's not wrong. (laughs) I know, that's the best part. He's not wrong. You are not wrong. So, out of the three trolls we've spoken to so far. Who's your favorite? Green text, Kanaya. Because now we can rank the trolls. Yes, I mean... Oh, you like you like Kanaya. Ha! I got you to admit that it was her! It's not Kanaya. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've, I've told you a million times that we get our quote from Kanaya. That's not a spoiler. I know, but you didn't want to admit it. You don't know if the other one's Carcat. You don't know if the other one's Carcat. The other one's Carcat. I answered a question right about his typing quirk and troll jeopardy. Do not. There could be more than one typing quirk that is the same. That is not, no. Kanaya is definitely my favorite. I mean, they're all pretty just, like, straight up aggressive at the beginning. Carcat, as much as I know I will love him, eventually... He was kind of mean to Jade and did not respect that she had blocked him (laughs) multiple times. And then 
brown text is fairly annoying. Is it just because of the voice I gave him? Maybe. But also just, like, in, in general, I it isn't my favorite typing quirk either. And he's got that poopy brown color. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, I definitely, there's no competition at this point. Kanaya comes out way ahead. Maybe, maybe in the next act, we will see some more. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure things will shift as we go. But at this point in time, with what I know, with what I've read, Kanaya 100%. I cannot wait for the Fruity Rumpus Asshole Factory. <laughs> I'm so excited for the Fruity Rumpus Asshole Factory. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, I guess. Oh, real quick, do you remember when Erwin Jade's grandpa just shot a butterfly right in front of her face? Yeah, I do. When she was a very small child. When she's like six. Yeah. She's so cute. She's riding a dog. Yes. Small Jade and small Rose are my favorites. I also just noticed that the the tag on the shirt that John sends Jade uh, has the Tapatico logo on it. There you go. So I, I do want to ask you, I, I guess to wrap up mm. today... What do you think of the whole narrative going on with the Aimless Renegade and the Peregrine Mendicant and the Wayward Vagabond? What's going on? In terms of the narrative, I'm interested but not invested. I'm very invested in the Wayward Vagabond and the Peregrine Mendicant. Just because I find- I mean, obviously, we've been over this a lot. We love the mayor. But I also really like- do people just call her the Peregrine Mendicant, or do they call her the Male Lady? There's not a, a nickname attributed to her that I am aware of. I usually just call her PM. She is so invested in the male, and I love that. To be fair, I think if you were going to be invested in something like that. I think the mail is the perfect thing to be invested in because it is one of the most important government services we have. Yes. I would say. Yeah. The mail is very important. So I agree with her. The mail is good. I love it. <laughs> I love those two pages where um, she was reciting all of the values and then the next was just like, mail. Liberty. Reason. Justice. Civility. Edification. Perfection. Male. <laughs> also, I do want to say, it's it's canon that she is, like, a, a sexy version of this species. God. So they aren't, like, different, different species or different races, it's just, like, sexual dimorphism. Ugh. I wouldn't say it's sexual dimorphism, I, I would just say, I'm not gonna say it, but I think she is just, like, She's just really hot. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. If the mayor is Danny DeVito, <laughs> who, who by the way, is, is extremely attractive to me. <gasps> <laughs> if the mayor is Danny DeVito, then PM is, uh, oh, Elizabeth, who do you think is the hottest female actor? Oh, putting me on the spot there. Um, how about Tessa Thompson? I don't fucking know who that is, but I'm just gonna- I'm gonna agree with you. She's Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok! I don't know actors' names. Yeah, so PM is Tessa Thompson, uh, the mayor is Danny DeVito. 
They, yep. Yep. AR is kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little bit. He's very concerned with the rule of law. I do love, I do love the little, like, judge's wig he puts on himself. That is very good, admittedly. It's very good. And also, John's grandpa's, like, face is on all of his crates of artillery. On Jade's grandpa's face? Jade's grandpa? Yeah. Yeah? What, what? I'm, I'm confused whether you misspoke there or you, you did say John's grandpa. Oh, no, I, I absolutely met Jade's grandpa. Okay, okay. We don't actually know who Nana's fucking. <laughs> I, 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 I uh, quietly request that you rescind that sentence. We, we don't know who Nana's fucking. <laughs> John's dad had to come from somewhere. Listen, yes! She could have adopted him, whatever, but we know Nana fucks. <laughs> Why? Also, speaking of John's dad, John's dad did save himself from Jack Noir by setting his hat on fire. He did, yes. Because Jack Noir hates that hat. Yeah, yeah. Nana fucking. Bad. Bad and terrible. Like, nursing homes are, like, really rampant for STIs because, like, the old people are just, like, fucking all the time. Have you heard about that? Liz... I sincerely hope that's going to do it for us today. We're homestuck. Like, like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not kidding. There's so many. There's so many like STIs in nursing homes because, like, and and the thing is, like, there's not as many men in these nursing homes. So, like, all of the all of the straight old ladies are just like Wait. riding that all the time. I think I broke Elizabeth, so I will say that that is going to be all of the homestuck we have for today. We read through pages uh, 1048 through 1153 today to the end of Act 3. Very exciting. Uh, you can read all of Homestuck at homestuck.com, and if you need a version with image descriptions or an audiobook version, uh, you can find those on our blog, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. On that blog, you can also find the transcriptions that Elizabeth writes for all of these episodes, where she finds things that I say that are wrong in the English language, and then I have to change my entire way of speaking to accommodate her evil linguistic needs. If you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at how underscore sane. Liz runs that Twitter. Um, so she'll see all of your tweets, and especially if you tweet anything with spoilers, send it over that way because I don't run that account. Oh, and by the way, we did pass 69 followers on Twitter, so nice. <laughs> we did. Nice. The music for this podcast is done by Elizabeth's brother, John Michael. He did a very good job. He did. I'm grateful for it every time I listen to an episode. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes, and hey, tell your friends, and your friends' friends, and anyone else you want to drag down into hell with you by listening to this podcast. And until next time, remember, Riska did nothing wrong. Are you sure? Because she is friends with Adios Toreador. I am... Mm.
mostly positive. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.